0: We are beginning our segment called Straight Talk here on Real Presence Radio Live. Welcome back. This is Father Randall Kazel broadcasting live from the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. And if you would like to call in to ask a question, our phone number is 877-795-0122. Again, 877-795-0122. And any question is welcome on the Life of Our Faith, My Baby of Assistance, or you can also look at the Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. And I'm happy to answer questions you may have about our faith and the Catholic Church. Uh, So there's a wide variety of possible topics. And I think we have one that's come in through our Facebook page here already. Let me see what it has here. Uh, From Phil, thank you for sending in a message uh, this morning. Phil's asking, I get the title of The Sorrowful Heart of Mary. Uh, but then the question why don't we ever hear about the joyful heart of mary oh well, that is a great question and and i'm only offering my opinion my various thoughts there's no official teaching on this but my opinion on this is uh the the aspect of the sorrowful heart of jesus tends toward our current state in uh, or the state of the world being fallen since original sin and then the constant need of redemption the continual need for in a sense, what I describe as the 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 loving confrontation that our Lord offers us uh, regarding our sinfulness or our our tendency to go <clears throat> out of or the way from the will of our heavenly Father, and that is one of the sources of Our Lady's sorrows, and it also the impetus for her to intercede for us. And the place where that reached its you know its pinnacle in the heart of Mary was at the foot of the cross. And it is one of the sorrows of our Blessed Mother when she was there uh, as a witness, uh, but also as a collaborator in what was happening, that she united her heart with that of her Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross and presented him to our Heavenly Father as the High Priest. Jesus presented himself as a sacrificial victim for the forgiveness of sins and as an atonement for the damages of our sins. And so our Blessed Mother, who... See and perceive sin continuing in the world uh, and people not cooperating even to our current day with the plan of our heavenly Father for redemption through his son, well, that grieves her heart and there 's a kind of ongoing sorrow in that sense, so there is a uh, but devotion to her heart then uh, offers a, a, a sort of a, a mystery for us that we can actually console our blessed mother 's heart, and that uh, that that is another aspect of growing in a sort of filial love or a relational experience with Mary, when we think of her sorrowful heart, that we her heart not only sorrows for our sins and the sins of uh, the world, uh, but that when we approach her and want to compassionate her, to to be one with her in the sense of her sorrows before Jesus crucified, before Jesus who took upon himself our personal sins and the sins of the whole world, that we may be forgiven, uh, that we may express a kind of empathy uh, it becomes a point of conversion. There is the the mystery that our Lord desires us to offer this uh, uh, empathetic love to our Blessed Mother, to see her as a a type of mediator uh, with us before our Lord Jesus, and that she has this role as mother and as queen, and has been given uh, through and from our Lord Jesus. Uh, the grace to share with us uh, that will lead to a deeper heartfelt conversion. These interior conversions that happen in relationship with Mary uh, can help lead us to have the greatest love for Jesus because devotion to Mary is not the end. If we practice this empathy and consolation to her sorrowful heart, it truly leads to a deep and profound awareness of the unfathomable love of Christ for each one of us, that his, his love is true. It is sincere, it is real, it is total, it is faithful, it is loyal uh, to his beloved whom he gives himself for. And so it gives us the impetus to even cooperate to a greater degree because we're, our conversion is often by degrees, how, how open we are to receive the light of the Holy Spirit, how ready we are to receive his love and, and our, our choice, our willingness and the will to let oneself be loved. And then to choose to love him back, and to have that be put in concrete actions in the the works of faith and hope and love built into the love of Christ. So our blessed mother always leads us to Jesus. He is our end, and it is through him that we can go to our our homeland and to see our heavenly Father. So there there does tend to be I, I acknowledge the the implicit point of the, your question, Phil. There there tends to be a, a greater emphasis on the. Uh, sorrowful hearts of Mary for all of these implications and more. I think there's many people could add to the implications of devotion to the sorrowful heart of Mary, uh, but there is room for uh, experiencing in a uh, relationship with our blessed mother, uh, her, the joys of her heart. Uh, consider when our Lord would have revealed to her his resurrection and the joy and the consolation that would have been to her heart and the, the other various joys that she has in relationship, perhaps when our lady was assumed into heaven and took her role as as uh, the queen of heaven and earth what a joy and how she would have received that uh, gift of love from the holy trinity and and how joyful she is at the seeing uh, her children be converted as she intercedes to this day in this moment uh, perhaps in the various shrines throughout the world like our lady of guadalupe or our lady of Lourdes, our lady of fatima and so many others where our blessed mother has come and people come and all of a sudden there are conversions what joy that gives to her heart to see souls uh, come to our Lord and respond to her petitioning uh, on our behalf. She truly is our mother. And when she sees the the graces through her heart uh, become fruitful in our hearts, uh, I know that makes her very joyful, very happy. So there is room for a contemplation of especially leading us to gratitude to the Holy Trinity for all the graces that he has given, God has given to our Blessed Mother. And then her role that God has uh, shared with her on our behalf for our good and her honor being the mother of God. So great question, Phil. I can go on for quite a while on that as well, but uh, hopefully that gives at least a little more food for thought and uh, the possibility of having some balance in the consoling and uniting one's heart uh, with our blessed mother and then through and in her heart to our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Another question has come up. Uh, Thank you for your questions. What do you mean by consoling the sacred heart or the immaculate heart? Well, that is a great question. Uh, there is, a, what I'm getting at is a kind of uh, mystery that our Lord invites us into because we have this understanding in our faith that uh, in, in our by our Lord's wounds, you know, from Isaiah the prophet, by our Lord's wounds, uh, we, by his stripes, we are healed. Uh, and then also by our Lord then dying on the cross when we have baptism, we are baptized into his death and we're also baptized into his resurrection. There is this mystery that, Uh, Our lives are directly connected to the humanity of Christ, and through his humanity, uh, we are therefore connected or have available or access to the divine, God himself, uh, through Jesus Christ. And so in our Lord's ascension into heaven, we also have this uh, beautiful but mystical true teaching that our Lord ascended into heaven, that we have a foot in heaven through his sacred humanity. And there is... Then uh, what happens uh, there's an understanding our Lord on the cross. there is a sense uh, the the idea our Lord said, uh, "When the Son of Man is lifted up, I will draw all people to myself." So what does this mean? Our Lord is lifted up, and he, he's giving this kind of confrontation uh, regarding sin, a confront a, a loving confrontation and on the cross is in a sense where the the guilt and the darkness of sin meets the holiness, righteousness, and the perfection of the will of Almighty God. And so through the Son, then there can be reconciliation of what is unreconcilable. So the the greatest dilemma and problem in the human family that we could not resolve is resolved with Christ crucified, with Christ on the cross. It is in the midst of what is going on inside of Jesus on the cross and his offering to our Heavenly Father of Himself as high priest and his his flesh as uh, the, the sacrificial lamb on our behalf, all within himself, and then also the meeting and the confrontation with evil, uh, that evil and, and sin is rejected and condemned. Uh, but anyone then who will love Christ, beginning with faith, leading to love, can be redeemed, healed, and made righteous in him because he is the one who wins that and merits that for us. So when we look at this then, what is happening in our Lord, that he is doing this for us, uh, there is a sorrow uh, in his heart when his love and his grace is rejected because that is still happening even to this day. It's not rejection of Jesus. We know in our world it happens, it's taking place, uh, but because the ordering of the will of our Heavenly Father is not finally established and you know, in many places far from it, but nonetheless, the, the desire and the gift of Jesus Christ is there. So when, when you think of this, when... In our human relationships, uh, say someone offers a gift to someone or to some people and that gift then is not appreciated or not received or it's disregarded, there is a sadness, a sorrow in the heart of the giver because the giver wanted to give with love and something uh, of, of value or appreciative to the person of the giver. But then when the receiver is not receiving or doesn't appreciate or does not return some love in return, the giver experiences sorrow. So our Lord sees his giving continuing through time, and he also sees people receiving and then loving him back. He is consoled and brought to a joy for that, and then he also sees people uh, rejecting his gift, and that saddens his heart. Uh, he, he has this, uh, a bit of understanding in the diary of St. Faustina, if you read through the diary, there are, are points in the diary when our Lord makes that clear, uh, that many are turning away, or many are not open to receiving his gifts, and it and it, in a sense, it wounds his heart, even in the a uh, present moment, because it, the friendship with Jesus is a real friendship it' it 's not made up it 's not in some point in the past it's a daily, every moment living in the moment friendship with our Lord that is alive, true, and it 's happening and so when you when you have that friendship, you realize our our, our Lord is a real friend he is it 's a living friendship uh, He is happy on many things when we are work in union with him, and he is saddened uh, when we prefer someone or something more than him which means we we don't value his gifts with the true merit of value his love with the merit of value that they really have that that friendship that gift of love that he offers to us and especially the great privilege and honor through him to have access to our father to our heavenly father uh, so those are some uh, little ideas on meaning by consoling the sacred heart and the immaculate heart of mary who the immaculate heart of mary only desires that we will come in love with Jesus. And the beauty is, of course, Jesus in his heart wants us to honor Mary because she's the teacher. She's the mother. She will see our hearts and pray for us to have particular individual graces that we need to continue personally being not afraid to be close to Jesus, to be repentant and converting, to love him and be joyful in him. So a little more food for thought, hopefully some things to meditate and to open one's heart to, to trust, to loving trust in our blessed mother and through her to our good Lord Jesus. So Great question. Again, I could probably talk about that for a while. (laughs) But here we have another question that's come in. So we'll try to get to more. Uh, I've heard people use the phrase, offer it up. So what does that mean? And is there a special prayer or something to do it? Uh, Very good. Uh, Again, I'll repeat that. I've heard people use the phrase, offer it up. And what does that mean? And is there a special prayer or something to do it? Uh, Excellent. And again, I I share my opinion and and rooted in my own experience, I would say. And there would be other ways to explain it, but I think it would have the same kernel of truth or practice. Uh, basically, what offered up means is that Christ crucified is where our problems can be resolved, and the graces that he has won or merited for us from and on the cross. And he loves us from the cross. And and when we offer up our sacrifices, our sufferings, it means we want to place them in his heart on the cross. And at the Holy Mass, when we offer up our the, the the laypersons in the pew, unite your offerings, your prayers to the priest as he's offering them uh, the the bread on the paten that becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. The, the wine with the little admixture of water in the chalice and offered up uh, as part of the, the consecration to our Heavenly Father. Uh, that Then there is an offering of the self and an offering of ev- all of one's self, including uh, one's weaknesses, uh, one's failures. But also one's sufferings one's needs one's disappointments and grief, and everything that is uh, at times a cross and a difficulty united to Jesus, so is there um, at times like a special prayer? well, I can tell you myself, you know sometimes there are various prayers that I like to say you know sometimes when um, when I'm struggling maybe to accept one thing or another or to accept that. This is the way this is going to go. Maybe it's, maybe our Lord desires something that you know I don't prefer, but it, God prefers it, and I don't always understand all that God has in mind. I realize, well, I will. Then I, I go with Jesus to the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, and, and he's saying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And I will repeat that. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And I will repeat that. And at times I'll be in prayer with our Lord, and I'll just say, Lord, your will and not mine be done. And sometimes I also use that, uh, maybe I don't have a a, uh, you know, a a, tension with something to accept, but I will perhaps know that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what you want, Lord, but I just want not my will, but yours be done. Not my will. And I'll go to the same thing and I'll say, I, w- I want a, a holy indifference. I definitely have a choice here, but my choice is what you want. I choose what you want and may my preferences be formed by what pleases you most. So there is this aspect of of offering it up in that offering, fundamentally, the the perfect offering up will be your will. It is the one thing that is crucial that where you decide to believe and to follow God, and that's the ultimate offering it up, that you give your will to God and will to be possessed uh, by Jesus Christ. But everything of our life can be brought into that prayer. And and other times it is that maybe there's some suffering, maybe you have back pain or pain in a leg or a foot or some kind of surgery or something, and it's like, I'm not not enjoying this suffering, or there's some suffering you may have. Uh, One thing I found beneficial, Jesus, I suffer this for the love of you, for the love of you and the conversion of sinners, or for the conversion of this soul. Jesus, I suffer this for the love of you. And that that prayer has been fruitful for me uh, and for many others that I know, that when you think of what you're suffering, Lord, I suffer this for the love of you, and then you you will to be united with Jesus, and and it, beautifully he 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 can help the soul to know, and I suffered for the love of you, and so he he makes the soul to know from the cross I suffered for love of you, and thank you for your offering and love for me, we are united uh, in in that offering before the Father, so it becomes a beautiful prayer uh, that, that is profoundly fruitful. So I encourage you to have this interior sense of offering it up, but let it be more personal than just saying, I'm just going to offer it up and let it be with your, with your heart, with some, a uh, fervor or a holy passion, I might call it, uh, of love for Jesus, which always unites and brings greater unity. So great question. I can go on for that for a while yet too, but more questions are coming in. So great for the questions. Um, question here, I've seen people wear Uh, St. Benedict's Medals and Miraculous Medals. Is one better than the other? Well, great question. Um, hmm. Again, this is only my opinion. Uh, But is one better than the other? I would say... Well... It depends on God's will. So God, if our Blessed Mother wants you to wear a miraculous medal but doesn't inspire you to wear a St. Medic medal, I would say the miraculous medal then in that case is better. But of course, if you're a Benedictine or maybe perhaps you're you're experiencing some inspiration regarding the Holy Cross, because ultimately the St. Benedict medal is tied to the, the victory of the Holy Cross over evil, uh, then that's better. But is two better than one? Mm, not necessarily. More, more is not always better, but I would say more grace uh, being open to grace is better than less grace, because grace is the key of the transforming power of the interior life, that we you know, receive the sacraments, including confession regularly, I recommend at least once a month, and of course Holy Mass every Sunday and weekdays if you can, and time in and adoration and prayer, and reading from scripture and studying and having mental prayer uh, and contemplating the, the beauty and the love of God. Uh, but as far as uh, you know, uh, these medals, synthetic metal, miraculous medals, and scapulars—they're sacramentals. Um, and I would say the the one the one sacramental that one could wear—that is, uh, my own opinion—I am a Carmelite, by the way. I'm a secular Carmelite, discalced, a third order. Uh, I would say uh, of all the sacramentals, uh, the brown scapular uh, would be one that I would recommend the most. Uh, that. That if you would wear the brown scapular, it is one tied to some key events, including, say, the the apparition of Our Lady of Fatima on October thirteenth, nineteen seventeen. She appeared as um, as Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and that's the the fourth uh, request of Our Lady actually at Fatima. It's not well known there. There is Our Lady wanted to pray the Rosary each day for peace, sacrifice, and offer penances uh, for the conversion of hardened sinners, um, and then to continue to strive to grow in holiness uh, uh, to her Immaculate Heart, devotion to her Immaculate Heart. But then the last one was, that's not talked about that much, was implied, and Sister Lucia did talk about it later, the wearing of the brown scapular as the outward sign of fulfilling that you're you're living the message of Our Lady of Fatima. So uh, that is one that I would recommend as, in that sense, why it might be, Uh, a kind of one better than the other as a, because that garment ties you to our lady's immaculate heart. But great questions. I do recommend that you have sacramentals on your person, a medal or two, uh, a scapular, wear your rosary. And better yet, I say, if you've got a rosary on your person, go ahead and wear it out, which means that you're using it (laughs) every day. So good question. And we'll move on to the next one. Um, It's almost time for students to head back to college. What suggestions do you have for how to keep my children active in their faith while they're away from home? Uh, great question. That is fantastic. And I, I think part of it, uh, well, there's, a, there's a lot of possibilities. Again, my opinion on this. Um, first of all, that now, now in this time that you, you practice family prayer, uh, that you're open to having conversations about Jesus in your home life, and your family life, uh because when in your home life and your family life is if our lord is welcome if he is there if he's not put off into a corner somewhere and uh, you call upon him when you you know you might need something or what but he is a normal part of your life uh that would be the the best in a sense subconscious but deliberate way to help a young person know wherever they may be in the world uh our lord is there and our lord wants to be in your life and wants to feel and experience being welcomed and so when your young people go off to college that that will be a, a kind of habit that you can foster before they go so that when they're at college they'll remember oh our lord is with me our lord is here it makes sense to them to make and develop habits in the new environment where our lord is welcome in their mind their heart and in their regular daily and weekly practice so if our lord has a regular place in your home and has a regular place uh, in, the, in your day and then your children have that as part of their own uh, upbringing and their habits that it's very likely that they will have that also when they go off to college. Uh, the daily recitation of the rosary uh, is a beautiful way to do that. Of course, I recommend the brown scapular. Uh, I would also, I'd also recommend regular confession uh, because what happens, of course, if a, if a soul gets caught in a grave sin or a, a pattern of grave sin, uh, the soul is weakened regarding thinking about God. Uh, and regarding recollecting that one is in the presence of God or can be through the conscious calling upon God and be present in, in relationship with him. So I, I would say that the uh, regular practice of confession that your your young people, your teenagers especially, see you going to confession, that, that they value that sacrament. Uh, that, that would be a great defense, a shield for them as they go off in the college uh, to receive that sacrament as well. Uh, other than that, that you... Um, uh, have the habit of listening to them? What's on their thoughts and feelings? What, what, ki- what kind of, their, of goals do they have in mind? And are they relating that to God? Do they see their life going into the future in relationship with God? Uh, are they saying uh, regularly, Lord, what do you desire for me? What is sort of decisions to make? Are they praying regarding their vocation? You know, Perhaps if they sense their call to marriage, they can pray for their future spouse already, that they, they have this sense of, of what they're about And what decisions they're making going into college uh, is directly tied to God. That our Lord truly loves and cares about all these details and all these things in life. That we we don't live a life in relationship with God in this kind of uh, silo sense in which we're isolated. And, well, this area of my life, God doesn't have anything to do with it. And this decision, it's all mine and God doesn't have anything to do with it. No, all our decisions, the details of our life... We welcome our Lord into them, and he's in them whether we realize it or not. He's, he sees us, he knows us, he loves us, and he sees the outcomes of things. If we bring him in, how much better it is, and how many more, uh, of how much more fulfilling, life-giving, uh, and even details are put into a better uh, ordering uh, when our Lord is welcomed in the, the center of our lives. So, great question. I can go on for a while, but some of those things will be food for thought, and hopefully uh, nurturing put in action. Another question, Keenan. Great questions today, everybody. Thanks for bringing those out. Uh, how often should I go to confession if I haven't committed any mortal sins? Hey, that's a great question. So, of course, if, if one commits and knows one's committed or, or has a guilt for a mortal sin, to go to confession as soon as you can. And, uh, you know, I would, and I, many priests that I know, they'd be happy to hear a confession, even on the spot. Say, Father, can you hear my confession? If for some reason, maybe they're, you know, a minute before starting Mass, they may not be able to do that right that second, or they have to start Mass. But but ordinarily, you know, we'd be willing to, to stop what we're doing and, and uh, um, to uh, hear, hear that confession, to give uh, freedom from any guilt of sin and peace to the conscience and the heart, and that interior freedom, to engage in friendship with God, because the sacrament of confession is about God and the soul and the desire that God has to take away any barriers to union. So what about uh, how often if one is not uh, committing mortal sins or is not, and I still recommend once a month. And why is that? It, it is then it becomes habitual. So if one uh, has a kind of bump into some grave matter in one's life that one has in that sense to I need to go to confession, and has the, the memory, the experience in the the back of their mind as well as attached to their conscience, I need to do this, because the sin is making me miserable. I'm miserable attached to this, because it's, and sin is miserable. Sin is a very unhappy thing, and sometimes people get caught in habitual sin. They don't realize how unhappy they are until they get the, the, the contra- the contra-experience, that is, the experience of being in grace for a length of time in the joy of the Holy Spirit. So nonetheless, then, uh, I recommend a regular pattern. And, and see, the confession has the beauty of grace is not only to forgive the guilt of sin, but then it also has the, the grace to heal, to heal the soul, because our sins have two problems. Uh, sin incurs two problems for the soul to deal with. One is, of course, the guilt, which separates the soul or can, if it's a mortal sin, separate the soul from right relationship with God, loving reunion. And the second one is that sin damages the soul, and it can also damage other souls and God's creation. So we we account for both of those, and the way we account for them is in relationship with our Lord, whose sacrifice on the cross is more than enough. It's perfect and infinite to account for those two dilemmas. But the confession can also begin the healing of the damages, and uh, the, the the fuller healing comes through Offering expiation, including indulgences, uh, which can be, will offer the the heal, heal the damages. Uh, so, nonetheless, I recommend regular confession as a way to do that. And I also, as part of that, I recommend that making the regular examination uh, regarding confession uh, that. In that examination, you have a firm resolve to not commit the sins, and you have a uh, some other resolutions to continue to grow in mental prayer deepening your relationship with our Lord so that brings us to our last que- that was our last question uh, great questions everybody thank you for listening in everybody with what you 're doing and we 're going to wind down this segment of straight talk here on real presence radio live. I encourage you to stay with us. We have some great guests coming up here in the last hour of this Monday, uh, July 25th, the anniversary of Humane Vitae, Father Randall Kazel, broadcasting live from the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. Stay with us. Mm-hmm.